have a program, it was a short season, maybe only eight episodes. It was called Outlast. And it was a more recent program, only eight episodes, so pretty short, something you could watch. But uh, it's, as it says, Outlast. Sixteen individuals, four teams of four, they were dropped out in the wilderness of Alaska with only a few supplies and a few tarps, a little bit of rope, and a couple tools to see which team would last the longest in the elements there in Alaska. And as they were there in Alaska, it wasn't long. These people, they were already considered survivalists in in many ways, all different ages. But as you can imagine, over time, the struggle to create shelter to stay warm, to get dry, to find food, makes one cranky. Can be upsetting, can be disturbing, can make someone lash out even. And all of those things began to happen in all of those struggles. Now, each person had their own little flare and flare gun, when they had had enough, they could walk out to the open and shoot their flare up in the sky and check out. And here would come the rescue boat, load them up, and take them back home and all of those things. It wasn't long and people began to check out. But those that stayed, those that stayed, they struggled. They had many struggles. And they even struggled to get along because they, they did not create their own team. They, didn't know, they were all strangers. So they began to get to know each other through the struggles. Someone had to be the boss. The others had to be the workers. They had to agree on things to accomplish staying out there in those elements But wouldn't you know that it didn't take long and the camps were not far from each other. Far enough, they couldn't hear each other talk, but yet they could see fire, they could see uh, activity in the distance and those type of things. But wouldn't you know, within that struggle and in the hunger and the pain and the need to try to win, that one group would go and, and they went and they took another group's sleeping bags, took their supplies, took the things that they would have needed to get through the night to stay in the game. And that really, and so when that group got back, they saw that their stuff had been stolen, taken. They were so upset. They were irate. They went out into that opening and just started yelling across to the other group. But yet, they chose not to retaliate. They chose not to go and steal it back. Where, you know, I've been like, all right, we're going to figure out. We're going, when they leave their camp, we're getting back over there and we're taking all their stuff. You know, that'd be, that was my mindset. But they took the mindset, we're not going to play the game that way. We're going to play it right. We're going to play it with moral and integrity and we're going to make them lose because they're cheaters. 
They're stealers. They're takers. Things can happen in life, as we talked about last week. What was the quote from Johnny Cash? In his lifetime, he'd seen a lot of bad people, but they were not all bad. In his lifetime, he'd seen a lot of good people, very good people, but they were not all good. And that's what makes up the church. People. Lots and lots of people. Of all different ages, all different stages, and all different places in their spiritual walk with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, absolutely. The Apostle Paul here, he continues his preaching and teaching. He doesn't want to leave us in this state of guilt. As we said last week, he drove it home that we are born sinners and we are all sinners. He continues here, but he doesn't want to leave us in this state of feeling guilty and all, I'm a helpless case, I'm worthless, and I I can't get anything right in my life. What he wants to help us do here, he wants us to find the joy of the Lord. To find joy in the Lord and the joy that is of the Lord. And that's different than anything else you're going to find in the world. Amen? He's not trying to help us find joy in the worldly things, in the job, work, business, or even in our spouse, or in our children, or grandchildren. The joy of the Lord and in the Lord. A joy that is not of this world. So that's why you see the title there as Serenity. Calm, peaceful, and untroubled. A challenge for us Christians in this world we live in. Amen? To be a Christian, to have this serenity and joy of the Lord that fills us, calms us, helps us to live in peace. Help us to feel untroubled when there's trouble all all around us. Trouble even in many of our relationships. Trouble within our families. Trouble in the workplace. You name it, there is trouble all around us. But Paul wants us to take us on the path that leads to serenity. Yes, he's a deep thinker. Yes, I'm sure he had a restless mind and a restless spirit. As you continue to read about Paul, he jumps from one topic to another topic, one metaphor to another metaphor, and he's just all over the place. And we might say, hey man, take a moment. What are you saying? What are you trying to tell us, Paul? Well, he begins, talks about marriage a little bit there in verse 6. But before that, he'd already talked about slavery. And I say, men, don't look at your spouse and don't even think about it. We're not going there as marriage being equal to slavery. We're not going there today. But we're going to the law. You kept hearing about the law of God. The law of God's teaching on how Israel were to be, was to be God's people. They were to live in this way that he has called them. Living in a way and reflecting the life that God wanted them to live by loving Him. Loving God, serving God, loving themselves, loving their neighbors. And it is important for us as the church to also wrestle with the question, 
What does the law mean in this day and age? What does the law mean for us as the church here in America? What's well, very important? We've got to get past that tendency of thinking, oh, the, the law brings oppression, or the law causes joylessness, or the law is just somebody nitpicking about something you're doing, or that the law is about uh, this long list of no, this, no, that, and no, no, no. We've got to get past that mindset. Because the law was none of those things. But yet, sin causes it to be those things. Paul is saying God's teaching is good. The sin brought corruption. Sin turns good laws into bad as we live as individuals. Because we know rules are good. Rules are good, but all the good rules in the world are just made to be broken. Amen? Just made to be broken at some point in time. It happens in the world each and every day. Just as I shared about those strangers being dropped in the Alaskan, Alaskan forest. I'm sure there's good business-type men and women. But when it came to life or death, when it came to survival, when it came to winning one million dollars, they were ready to do anything to win. Is that how we are to live life? That we would do anything to win? Clear back in the 1970s, there was an experiment that some psychiatrists and some uh, college-age young people wanted to do this experiment. They were all volunteers, college-age students, young people. They are all healthy, good, stable individuals. Some in college, some were not. But they were all volunteers for this experiment that was to last for two weeks. Some were going to be prisoners. Some of them were going to be guards. The guards would have authorities over the prisoners. And this two-week experiment only lasted a few days. And the researchers had to pull the plug because of the human condition. The human condition, these strong, healthy, college-age students who had volunteered for this, who had started out so excited to do this experiment, they too began to turn on each other. Even the ones that were the guards, they turned mean and abusive, hateful and hurtful and evil, and they enjoyed it. They enjoyed acting out in this way. the root of sin coming out. The guards themselves, they were supposed to be the guards, they were supposed to be the good guys. The experiment itself corrupted them in just a matter of days. 
what do we realize from this? We realize that because of this tendency and this thing that we're born with called sin, that when we're placed in a certain environment, when we are placed in positions where we could abuse authority, we could act out, we could reject those in authority, those in authority could abuse their power, they have control over others, sin comes to the forefront. Sinful actions, sinful desires, and there's a joy in it. And I think we're seeing this more and more in our world today. What is important? This sin that we are born with, it has to be dealt with. It has to be dealt with. And it can only be dealt with by using the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has to be used to deal with that sin that we are born with. Just as a computer, a computer can do a lot of great things, but once that virus comes alive within that computer, that computer is just about worthless, isn't it? That virus takes over the computer. The computer does things on its own, opens up bank accounts, hacks people, sends people your information, sends pictures, you just name it. These viruses do many things to that computer. What happens? You've got to shut it down. You've got to put a stop to it. You've got to get an antivirus. You've got to get that computer cleansed and cleaned. And that is what the blood of Christ is for. The blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus, cleanses us for new life producing a new you. We may look the same, but when our hearts are cleansed, we no longer act out in the same way. So as the Holy Spirit enables this, and it doesn't matter our age or where we may be on our spiritual walk, the Holy Spirit enables us to find this serenity, a calm, untroubled joy of the Lord as we live in a sin-filled world. And I pray that our desire would be in that place, with that type of serenity that sets us apart. Yes, sets you and I apart, and his name is Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, continue the holy work that needs to be done in each and every one of us so that we can be fully set apart from the ways and the corruption and the evil of this world. That when we're faced with temptation or we find ourselves in challenging moments, that we would stand firm in the name of Jesus. That our faith would be strengthened by our actions. Clinging 
to our Lord and Savior. So Lord, as the world rushes, rushes on, as the trouble continues to be all around us, as we continue to live to see another day, another week, or another year, Lord, may we keep our eyes upon you. And may the world see you, Lord, that you are the one that enables and equips us to live in these challenging times. So help us, Lord, minister to one another and to minister to the world where you have placed us and unto those individuals that you have placed before us. So, Lord, as you enable us and help us, as you equip us and lead us, I pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor, Lord, we lift up and surrender to you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For our closing hymn today, I would invite you to stand, if you are able, and we will sing together, Rescue the Perishing. <laughs>